And welcome to another Live at Five Sports. Bill Dean for Todd Brigette today, visiting with Jim Suhan, as Todd does Monday through Fridays. Jim, of course, longtime uh, columnist and before that reporter with the Star Tribune and host of the Talk North podcast. And Jim, I know occasionally uh, your colleague uh, Chip Scoggins is filled in for you, and I kind of agreed with his uh, story. Uh, the Wolves played like adults Monday night, and that was actually kind of refreshing to see. Yeah, they had been struggling with fourth quarter, and earlier in the season they were playing well in fourth quarters. A uh, combination of Conley being injured or resting, um, just in kind of an awkward lull where they didn't know what to do with backup point guard. They weren't making great decisions in the fourth quarter, and it was hurting them. Um, and then they play an excellent team, a very well-coached team, a team that plays really well at home, and they, they took it to them, and they, they survived you know, SGA scoring. They defended Chet Holmgren. Dayton McDaniels was excellent on defense against Chet Holmgren, really shut him down. They played great uh, in the fourth quarter, and they used their size to punish a smaller lineup. Uh, Towns got his. Rudy Gobert was very dominant and, and seemed to play even better with the game online than he did earlier. So really a, a big victory for them. And and I really thought that Nikhil Alexander-Walker's ability to kind of play, you know, a backup point guard, even though he's a, really a wing, uh, his ability to, to defend and make some shots, playing that role really, really helped them uh, while Mike Connolly was out again. Yeah, I agreed, and I thought the same thing watching the game. I thought, you know, if they don't make another move to add another uh, player, uh, you know, he might have shown that he maybe in, you know, short-term uh, cases can fill in. You know, uh, Anthony Edwards, uh, you know, continues to, I think he's trying to take away, uh, you know, uh, Kyle Ta- or uh, Kat uh, Towns, his ability to complain on every call. Uh, but, you know, he's, he, he, it's legitimate sometimes. But then you watch all these games, and it, it's even filtered down, I think, even to the high school level, the palms up. Just about every call the official makes, somebody has got their palms up questioning it. Yeah, I don't like, uh, in general, I don't spend much time talking about refereeing. Uh, this is not much point. It's usually just the losing team's easiest uh, com- you know, way to explain away a loss. Uh, so I think it's kind of for losers most of the time. I will say this. Towns, I don't think, has gotten the calls that an all-star player who's a great offensive player should have gotten throughout his career. This year he's really calmed down the complaining, um, and he's still not getting calls. So I don't know what he can do. Anthony Edwards is getting very frustrated because part of his, what makes him great is his ability to go into the paint, bounce off two or three people, take contact, and draw the foul, and sometimes even finish and draw the foul. And we're seeing him now, and Towns, remember that late fourth quarter play, uh, it was against Charlotte, I think. He basically got fouled by two different people, and one yanked his arm completely away from him as he's trying to hit a key shot, didn't get the call. Um, now Anthony Edwards is kind of getting that treatment. He's not getting his fair share of calls. Some of the missed calls are very obvious, and he's frustrated, and he's ripping on the refs. I, here's the problem. Once the, refs, once the refs start treating you poorly, there's really nothing you can do. You sit there and accept it. That's not going to help you. You complain. Now they're going to be mad at you. Uh, the one thing Anthony probably did that he probably shouldn't have is he, he, he called them dirty. They're not conspiring against him. There's just some psychological barrier that's not allowing them to, to treat him the way he should be treated. Uh, you know, you start com- ex- accusing them of being dirty. Now you're really not going to get calls. You know, and you watch, uh, you know, LeBron James and long before him, Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant and truly, 
you know, the greats. I don't know. I can't remember so much uh, Bob Cousy. <laughs> it didn't seem like there was as argue- Maybe they argued as much back then, too, on the calls. But, uh, you know, the, there is a certain, I don't think it's fair, but some of these guys that are elevated to this superstar uh, status, they do seem to get their share of the calls, and not only in basketball, but generally in pro sports. Yes, Greg Maddox works with a bigger home plate than every other pitcher. And you can say he earned it, but it's still not the way it should be. You know, the rules should be the rules. The NBA is such a personality and star-driven league that the biggest personalities, the ones who have already won championships, the ones who have already established themselves as superstars, do end up getting more calls. Uh, I just don't think it should work that way. I think the refs should just go out there and just call the rule book night in and night out. I also think that NBA uh, refs are doing a poor job in deciding what is a foul. You'll see two big players smashing into each other and not, and neither will get a call. Then you'll see somebody brush somebody's fingertip as they're taking a shot. And all of a sudden that's worth two or three shots, uh, free throws. I, I also hate the way they're officiating defense defenders right now. Defenders, offensive players, smart offensive players have created ways of creating the contact and getting the call. If you're the one creating the contact, you shouldn't get the call. Well, I cannot agree more than, you know, I only played high school basketball, but, uh, you know, uh, it would have been extremely frustrating uh, the way it's being officiated, uh, you know, right now. And it's one thing to let, like you say, some physical play maybe go underneath the basket when you're, you know, jostling for for position to get a rebound. But uh, then again, you really have to have a really high-def TV to see some of these matador uh, calls they make in the lane where there really is no contact and, you know, the guy flies by and he gets free throws. Yeah, it drives me absolutely crazy. And I know it's a hard game to officiate, but I do think there should be certain logical standards. I don't see those standards in place right now. We touched on it yesterday, Jorge Polanco, nice guy it seems like. You know, he's had a little injury issue, but pretty solid ball player and, you know, the longest, ten- longest tenured twin Probably uh, not the easiest thing to you know see him go, but I guess uh, maybe I'm jaded enough now through all the years watching guys go down the road that it uh, you know doesn't affect me emotionally like it once did. But it probably was a smart move on the part of the Twins, and and you think I think we touched on this yesterday, but do you think they got fair value in return? Yes, they didn't get the value of the fan you know, the vocal fan base wanted, which was to get another Jorge. I mean, I'm sorry, Pablo Lopez type. But they didn't trade Louis Arise, the best pure hitter in the game. They were trading Jorge Polanco, who's had trouble staying on the field, um, played 80 games last year, played 104 games the year before, played 55 games while well, I was in the shortened season. I will say in 20, 2019 and 2021, he did play a lot. Uh, but, I, you know, since 2017, his first real full season in the big leagues, he's had two years where he played pretty much every day. He's had a lot of nagging injuries. Uh, he is a very good offensive player, career 780 OPS, 789 last year. He's not a superstar. Um, I, I think his best attribute is he really was willing to play with injuries. He wanted to play every day, and he would play anywhere you asked him to play. Uh, he was a great teammate, a great member of the organization. They really do love the guy. But let's not overstate what kind of player he was. He was a good player, not a great player. Edward Julian, Eddie Julian, is a better hitter right now than Jorge Polanco has ever been, with the exception of the 
you know, that crazy 2019 season where everybody hit like crazy. Um, Julian's a better hitter right now. He, Julian needs to improve his defense, but he's a better hitter right now. Brooks Lee is on his way. He could be your second baseman. Um, this is a very logical guy to trade. Absolutely, and uh, well, we'll see. And, and you know, maybe they go get some mileage out of these pitchers they acquired. And this Gonzalez, you know, he's very young. He might uh, end up being a, a player for him someday, or uh, be used, you know, as a as a, a piece to make further trades uh, down the road. We wanted to mention Mara Brown or Braun. Uh, she got hurt, having really a terrific season. And I don't know. At least for me, the Gopher women. And I think to some degree the men have exceeded my expectations. Maybe I had them too low. I'm not sure. I thought that the women would improve this year, and they have. Uh, and if Mara had stayed healthy, I think they had a real chance of being an NCAA tournament team for the first time in a while. Mara was have. I think, honestly, my expectations for Mara, Mara are so high that I wasn't completely impressed with her season this year. I think she, she can shoot it better than she has been shooting it. But objectively, she's one of the best scorers in a very good conference as a sophomore. She's a good defender, a good teammate, plays really hard. She was part of their success. It's really sad to see her go down. Sanders will probably be the person who steps in the lineup tonight against Penn State. Uh, but it's a sad development. I, I really like watching this team play. I, I, as far as the men go, I give them credit. You know, uh, They are better than I thought they were. Uh, they're probably tougher than I thought they were, and I think Christie is developing into a really nice young player. Yeah, he looks like one of those guys that uh, has got a lot of upside yet. And, uh, you know, I really, that's the first time I watched the whole game. I watched quite a bit of the Iowa game, which I thought they did not play very well in. But they this, this okay. last game, I, w- I was actually somewhat impressed with them. Yeah, uh, you, you know, listen, they, most games they're playing a more established team and a more talented team. So they're really going to have to be gritty. They're going to have to get the 50-50 balls. They really need Hawkins to run the offense. They need to shoot it well from the three. But there's no doubt they play hard. There's no doubt they play defense. And they've had some games now where they've pulled them out in the fourth quarter. So I think I do think the arrow is pointing up for them right now. Well, Jim, great to catch up with you. Enjoy this uh, record-breaking uh, heat waiver in, in, in during here, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Great. Thank you, Bill.